Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, presented by Game On Wisconsin. Jamal Williams, I consider him a friend. It's not a rivalry if the other team doesn't win. Now, in the Game On Wisconsin studios, here's your host, Jacob Westendorf. October 27th, 2021. What a wonderful Wednesday to be back on the Pick 6 Podcast. Welcome, everybody, inside the Game On Wisconsin studios. I am your host for this show like I am every evening, every Wednesday. I'm Jacob Westendorf. I am of Game On Wisconsin. And you can find me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf. You can find all of us over on Twitter at Game On Wisconsin. Back after a week off and uh, doing some traveling. Uh, I was able to go to North Carolina and visit some of my family from down there. Not the happiest of reasons. For those of you that remember the the incident from last October, I uh, was asked to speak at a memorial uh, for Carly Barron. And very thankful uh, for that opportunity. Very honored to have that opportunity. So a special shout out to her mother and father, and of course, uh, Carly, who would have been celebrating her 24th birthday this past Sunday when the Packers took on the Chicago Bears. For those of you that, like me, need the Packers schedule to go on your calendar. But it was a great experience, um, considering the circumstances. A very cool opportunity to be able to do something like that. And frankly, to to be asked. So thank you to to Mark and Crystal and allowing me to, to honor the life of, of Carly. It was a a beautiful ceremony, a beautiful thing, and uh, we miss her very, very much. But let's get into our topics for the week. The Packers uh, beat the Chicago Bears while I was gone. I don't need to rehash that. You guys understand how I feel about that quote-unquote rivalry and everything like that. So I don't need to go over that. The Packers won that game. I'm, I wasn't surprised. Uh, Chicago has been a dumpster fire for the majority of the season, and that looks to be only getting worse after getting mollywopped 38-3. to on Sunday in Tampa Bay against the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Packers also moved to 6-1. and one. They win 24-10 to 10 over the Washington football team. Bit of a weird game. Uh, the, the big play of the game is Rashawn Gary getting a strip sack of Taylor Heineke that allows the Packers to go up by two scores, and they never relinquished a two-score lead from then on out. They get their first stop in red zone defense. So that was a nice thing to see. Uh, Obviously the Packers were 15 for 15 in the wrong direction in terms of red zone scoring opportunities for their opponent. So I look forward to hopefully seeing a positive regression and that being the start. Albeit they did have their first one, I think would have been uh, Taylor Heineke's scramble into the end zone, which is a dumb rule, but it is the rule. And a lot of times that's what happens is you get the rule that a lot of fans don't know. And then we piss and moan about it on Twitter and realize that's the rule. And then we go, well, that's a dumb rule. Well, it is, but unfortunately that's the rule going into the game. So we can't change it now, but green Bay wins. They are six and one. They are tied with the Los Angeles Rams, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and in the loss column, the Dallas Cowboys for the second best record 
in the NFC behind the Arizona Cardinals, who are 7-0 after beating up on the Houston Texans and setting up a, a big one on Thursday night, uh, tomorrow night, for those of you listening now, against the Arizona Cardinals and the Green Bay Packers in Arizona. Uh, not a venue that's been kind to Green Bay, but just some overall commentary on this on this Packers-Washington game before I get moving into some of the other stuff uh, that go out was the defense. It was, it was a little more Mike Petney. Uh, they bent and didn't break in the red zone for the first time. It's a good thing. They didn't, they blocked a field goal. Uh, they had a goal line stand. They had an interception. They did a lot of good things in the red zone. They were able to force turnovers. They've done that now in six consecutive games, coinciding with their six game win streak was forced taking the ball away, which is something this defense is going to need to do. I thought the cornerbacks, Eric Stokes and Rasul Douglas, and I'll get to them in a minute, played really well. Uh, Stokes got beat on one play for a touchdown to Terry McLaurin, but McLaurin didn't wreck the game, which is something he's very capable of doing. Did not do that. On the offensive side of the ball, uh, you know, I listened to – I got to tell you guys, it was refreshing. I was in the stadium as a fan, and I turned my phone off during the action portion of the game. So I turned it back on at halftime and just – at the end of the game, I'm reading some stuff like run the ball and why aren't they running more? And just Matt LaFleur and the Packers do not have a set quote unquote way that they have to win. And I think that's something that's very refreshing about him. Mike Leach once said that, you know, 50% run, 50% pass. That's hundred percent stupid or something like that. And I agree with him. The way to go into each game is what is your matchup to win the game and an offensive line that includes Royce Newman, who I think is going to be a good player at some point, Right now, he has the feet of an offensive lineman, and that's why he can pass pro some. He's not a run blocker. He's not moving people. Lucas Patrick, same sort of thing. Maybe he can stay in the way of pass blocking, but he's not going to move people in your run game. And John Runyon, frankly, didn't play very well on Sunday either. Begging to bang your head against this wall that is this Washington front that includes Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Four first-round picks you're asking them to essentially take a knee. They didn't average anything when it came to their running game yes, on, on Sunday's game. So if you look at the way everything went, I mean, I could go through it for you guys real quick, and I don't need to feed you the numbers, but Aaron Jones, six carries, 19 yards. That's three yards a carry. A.J. Dillon, three carries, six yards, and he fumbled twice. Running the ball just wasn't in the cards yesterday, on Sunday. And asking them to continue to do that for the purpose of things. I don't really know what the reason is to shout run the ball when it's very obvious that their matchup is in the secondary against this piss poor Washington secondary. And the same goes now on Thursday night, their matchup is running the ball against this Arizona team. Not a good run defense. Throwing the ball is going to be a little tough. And we'll talk about why here in a minute. It just got tougher today, but the Packers asking them to run the ball for the purpose of running the ball was stupid. So for example, when they play Tampa Bay in a playoff matchup, they should run the ball to give Aaron Rodgers his arm a break. And that is it. Running the ball against Tampa is a exercise in futility. It's not going to happen with Vita Villa and Jason Pierre, Paul and Ndamukong Sue up front. And not to mention those linebackers that they have that just fly all over the field. Running the ball is pointless against Tampa Bay. So they have to be able to win games a variety of ways. I thought they did that against Washington. They scored enough points. And Rodgers said that they were a little bit off in the offensive side of the ball. I agree with him. I do think they're going to find a way to start clicking. This isn't like 2019 where they kept saying, oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Like we've seen this personnel grouping there 
and what it looks like. So I think that they'll get there, potentially get MVS back this week, and let's get to that here in just a little bit as well. Topic number two, Rashawn Gary, my son that I love and I am very pleased with, uh, was an absolute monster on Sunday afternoon against this Washington team. Two sacks, a forced fumble, which you could feasibly call an interception, but we'll call it a forced fumble. He has, he leads the league in, in quarterback hits. He's a monster in terms of pressures. He had 10 pressures on Sunday against a Washington offensive line that has been pretty good through the course of this season. This is a guy who, when he was drafted, was met with the scrutiny of, he's a bum. Why did you guys draft somebody that can't do anything? Just those kinds of things. And his first year didn't lead much to quiet that. You know, he didn't flash a lot. He didn't play a lot. Second year last year, he turns it on at the end of the year. becomes a one-man wrecking ball by the end of the year. And he's been that from start to finish this season. I know Zadarius Smith hasn't played, but Gary has been Green Bay's best edge player since week one. And even in week one, when Z did play, Gary played better than him. That's not saying much because the whole team stunk. But it's been a sight to see, a testament to the development. And Sunday was the culmination of, He's been around the quarterback. They always say disruption is production. They were just waiting for those big plays to happen, and they finally, some of them came yesterday with a vengeance against this Washington offensive line and getting Taylor Heineke to the ground, and he had two sacks. He missed at least potentially two more. He could have gotten a lot more out of those days. So Rashawn Gary is a player. He should be on the short list for guys to make the Pro Bowl. I don't think he's going to have the sexy numbers enough to get there but he has been very good this season and more of a reason why when the Packers draft a player, try and not to use a Matt Nagyism, but I will understand the why, why they did that, what their thought was. And there was patience now and year three, it's time to blossom and let that butterfly fly. And Rashawn Gary has been doing just that kudos to Rashawn. They're going to need him again on Thursday night against Arizona to get after Kyler Murray and get him to the ground because this is a guy who, He's on the short list for MVP candidates. So how do you how do you knock an MVP off a spot? Literally knock him off a spot. You got to hit him and you got to hit him a lot. And I think the Packers are going to need to do that. Gary's going to be the one leading the charge with guys like Kenny Clark, Whitney Merciless, Jonathan Garvin, Preston Smith. Hopefully they can get him back. Uh, but Gary's been phenomenal. And it's hard to understate that. And for everybody that does the whole thing, everybody likes everybody on Packers Twitter likes to play who they could have had. Oh, we could have had Robbie Anderson. Oh, we could have had Terry McLaurin. Well, with Gary, it's all we could have had Brian Burns. And I get it. I was one of the first people to say I thought Burns was the second best edge player in that draft behind Joey Bosa. Or Nick Bosa, I'm sorry. The Bosa brothers blend together. They all are really good and terrifying. That being said, Gary right now has more pressures and hits than Brian Burns and the same amount of sacks. And that's not to say that Burns is a bum or anything like both guys can be studs, but Gary looks to be a stud. And I think we can stop the, they could have had him at least for now. We'll see. There's a lot of time left between now and the end of the season to figure out what these guys' careers are going to be. But right now it looks like green Bay has a really good player from that 12th overall pick. And one that everybody said they lit on fire. Well, you know what? I think every year we talk about how the Packers didn't do that well in the draft and Gutekunst gets pissed on all the time and you know what ever since he's been the Packers general manager his first round picks are <gasps> Jair Alexander really good Rashawn Gary 
looks to be really good. Darnell Savage, everyone seems to like him quite a bit. And then Elton Jenkins was also in that draft. They had three top 50 picks, might have hit on all of them. And then this past year, Eric Stokes, who they took, looks to be somebody that could be a second corner opposite of Jair Alexander. That can't be understated of how important that is. The outlier is going to be Jordan Love. And I'll get to my thoughts on Jordan Love here in just a minute. But, I mean, you have to connect Jordan Love in with Aaron Rodgers' resurgence and and some of that other stuff too. But maybe Jordan Love becomes a franchise quarterback. We don't know. But I think Gutekunst has earned the benefit of the doubt with the way that he's done with his first-round picks because Gary looks to be a player and all those other guys, like I mentioned, look to be players or, in Alexander's case, already are. A lot of good happening in that Packers front office, and a lot of people aren't going to talk about it, and that's fine because they don't need media accolades to be a good team, and that's what they are. They're 6-1. and one. They're a really good team. And one of the reasons that they're a good team is topic number three, and that is their cornerback group without Jair Alexander. If you had told me that Alexander was going to miss games against Chicago and Allen Robinson, the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow and his bevy of pass catchers, and then Washington with Terry McLaurin, I just said, oof. Hope the offense is ready to roll because I don't know how they're going to hold up without Alexander. This team was going into the season, Alexander and a lot of question marks. And Eric Stokes has been very good. And I just talked about him a little bit, but the surprise so far to me over the last game and every part of the Chicago game, except for one drive has been Rasul Douglas and Douglas is a guy who has some experience. He played in Philadelphia and was a productive-ish player there. He was in Arizona and did some nice things there. And he's been very solid yesterday. The only bad thing that seemed to happen when he was around was when they called an egregious, to me, pass interference penalty on him for a play that he was defending. I like his physicality. I like his willingness to be around the ball. I like his willingness to mix things up. He's got that toughness and that edge that I think every defense needs. And it's something this Packers defense has had, but not consistently. You know, Zadarius Smith is kind of that way. He obviously hasn't been around this year, and I'm not sure he's going to be back. I'm just curious. I I love the way that Douglas has played, and I'm curious to see how this all works out if and when Alexander and Kevin King are both ready. Because I think that the Packers have – potentially a really good list of cornerbacks now. And I just don't know how you put Kevin King back on the field right now, if Douglas is healthy and that's not a Kevin King hatred thing, even if it sounds like it is because Douglas has just played that well. And King had a nice game against Cincinnati. It was revealed afterwards. He essentially gutted that one out with one arm. Good for him. But there's a lot of not so great moments in the back of our head as well. When it comes to King and his ability to be that guy across from, from Alexander. So I'll be curious to see how they do that. Shannon Sullivan's played better the last couple of weeks. The good news is, like you said, if Alexander's healthy, they have options. You know, Alexander's going to play. Stokes right now, I don't think you could take him off the field. He's going to play. And Douglas might have worked his way into that conversation as well. You have essentially <laughs> the most positive news you can get is that Isaac Yadam is not going to have to play cornerback. I think you guys saw the end of that experiment unless it's an absolute emergency type of situation against Chicago where he had a, a pass interference penalty where he essentially tackles Marquise Goodwin. And that's just not a good look when a, a defensive back has to do that. So Yadam is not going to play much. My last point that I want to get to about Washington, but kind of the big picture overall 
is that I think Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay for the foreseeable future. And I did not think that coming into the season. I wasn't sure he was going to start the season in Green Bay for all the stuff we've already talked about. But he said something after that Bears game that has gotten some play about how he didn't think this was his last one in Chicago. And everybody that wants him to, it feels like they're shoving him out the door. And I fully acknowledge maybe that's my fandom getting a little defensive about everything. And maybe I'm naive because in a perfect world, I would like Aaron Rodgers to retire as a Packer. You know, I lived through the divorce with Brett Favre, and that wasn't fun. Who had fun during the summer of Favre? Who had fun watching a franchise icon become a hated figure and playing for the Minnesota Vikings? Now, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to end up playing in Minnesota if he gets traded. You know, Denver, Philly, Carolina, just these teams that are in on quarterbacks, you know the list by this point. That wasn't fun. I would like him to stay. Like I mentioned, maybe it's me being naive, and I certainly acknowledge that. But him saying it wasn't his last run led people to say, oh, does the AFC West play the NFC North next season? It's like, well, no, there's one way to guarantee it's not his last one, and that's if he stays in Green Bay. So I enjoy the discussion. I enjoy the commentary, and I know I said I was just going to enjoy this season, but that's kind of the elephant in the room, so to speak, right? Is how does this season play and pertains to Aaron Rodgers? He looks happy. He looks like he's having fun. There was a moment, yes, on Sunday where he looks around and he's just kind of smiling towards the crowd and everything like that. And they kind of gave him a small ovation towards the end zone we were sitting in. And that was kind of cool. But I then you have not only that, but the other reason I kind of think this is one practicality. How does a general manager in good conscience trade a quarterback that is 19 and four as of right now, the team with this quarterback is 19 and four in their last season in seven games. He's right now a fringe MVP candidate might be an MVP candidate by the end of the season was the MVP last season, as we all know. So how do you, let's just say he doesn't win the MVP, but he's an MVP candidate. How do you trade a guy who is back-to-back MVP, MVP season, two NFC championship games plus whatever happens this season in favor of a rookie? And the Packers six months ago offered him a market-setting extension. So it's stuff they've already talked about potentially doing. And you don't offer him a contract extension like that if your plan is not to have him as the quarterback in, to use Mark Murphy's words, 2021 and beyond. The and beyond part is the part everybody seems to be forgetting. Now, does Aaron Rodgers have some say over that? Yes, they said they would revisit that at the end of the season. But I don't see how Gutekunst can trade him in good conscience if he has and finishes off another really good year for Jordan Love. And this is nothing against Jordan Love. I will be very upfront. I did not like Jordan Love, the draft prospect. He terrifies me. That profile in general of players like him that have his skill sets and his testing numbers and all that stuff. You guys know those backgrounds. It's not great. But when they hit, it can look like Patrick Mahomes at his peak. I understand that. And he's had two years to sit. But the practicality portion of this is if Gutekunst does that, say he bets on Aaron Rodgers, they give him an extension, kiss and make up, everything's great. Next year, Rodgers starts to decline. He falls off a cliff. Nobody's going to blame Brian Gutekunst for betting on Aaron Rodgers. Now on the other side, if he bets on Jordan Love, 
and Jordan Love sucks, Brian Gutekunst gets fired very fast. Because as was pointed out to me by a friend I was at the game with over the weekend, the whole point of sitting Love now is so he can be good right away. You know, there is no grace period for, I know he's a first-year starter, but he'll be a third-year player, theoretically. He'd have to be as good as 12 was in his first season, if not slightly better. But if he stinks, Gutekunst is run out of town and doesn't get a chance to pick another quarterback. He does if he bets on Aaron Rodgers. So that's the practicality side of things. Reading some tea leaves. You guys probably don't remember this at this point, but last year, all of the beat writers... Wildy and Huber and Schneidman and all the good ones would always allude to this idea that the quarterback was disgruntled and fans on Twitter would get pissed. How do you know he's upset? What do you mean? He's upset. He hasn't said anything. He's not upset. Why would he be upset? Well, then the off season hit and guys, Aaron Rodgers was pissed. You know, he talked about bringing his mind to retirement. He talked about how he was disgruntled with the team. Those are all things he said. Not Adam Schefter, not Ian Rappaport, not all the bad reporting that you guys claimed it was all offseason, which it wasn't, but that's beside the point. Now we're talking about how Matt Schneidman tweets today. If you think Aaron Rodgers is leaving after the season, I would reconsider. Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but that's not something I take lightly considering Rodgers has in the last three weeks talked about how it's not his last game in Chicago. And he credited the personnel guys for getting Devondre Campbell after the Cincinnati game. And he's done that recently. His relationship with Matt LaFleur is phenomenal, as has been talked about. And this is a guy who said all along his legacy matters to him. Well, one of the reasons Kobe Bryant becomes overrated in discussions among basketball players of all time is because he played all of his career with one team. Aaron Rodgers is very smart. He knows that. And playing his entire career with the Packers is something that will enhance his legacy because Bart Starr did, and he is correctly, rightly revered. Brett Favre didn't, and fair or not, it's left a bitter taste in some fans' mouths. Now, did Rogers' actions this offseason alienate some people forever? Sure, but I personally think you're being stubborn to a fault if you're going to let that happen. Aaron Rodgers... I believe wants to be in green Bay long-term. And I think the Packers, if they continue to win this season, like I think they can need to do what they can to make that happen. I would bet on it. You just never know. And I have never, I'm 30 years old. I've never lived in a world where the Packers have not had a good quarterback. And I don't want to, I watch, I live in Illinois. I watch the Chicago bears and their fans just, talked themselves into so many quarterbacks over 30 years. Craig Krenzel, Moses Moreno, Steve Stenstrom, Eric Kramer, Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler is the best quarterback the Bears have ever had. And he's an average to a slightly above average quarterback in his career. Now with Justin Fields, they're doing everything they can to convince themselves he's very good. And I that's a separate topic for another day. I don't need to bore you guys with Justin Fields' discussion, but... If Justin Fields played for another team right now, every Bear fan would be pointing out that he is statistically the worst quarterback in the NFL. Does that mean he's the worst quarterback in the NFL? No. Can he be good someday? Absolutely. Is everything that's going wrong with Chicago right now Matt Nagy's fault? Also, no. But this isn't a Bear show. 
The point I'm getting at is I don't want to live in that world. And I just have a hard time, and maybe this is me, but I have a hard time betting in my head if I were the GM and thank whoever it is you pray to that I'm not. I would have a hard time betting on Jordan Love instead of Aaron Rodgers, who has played, he played well in 2019, looked like maybe he was declining, was the MVP of the league last year. And this year he's been somewhere between those two. But started to look better over the weekend. He hit three of his four deep balls. I mean, he's played without his best offensive line, just all that stuff. I would have a hard time betting on Jordan Love over Aaron Rodgers. And even based on this preseason, and I saw Packer fans do it. That stuff I was talking about with Justin Fields, we're talking ourselves into things with Jordan Love. And the things about Jordan Love is I just don't know if you can fix the problems that he has. You know, you talk about that the interception that Micah Hyde had in the preseason finale against Buffalo. I don't know if you can fix that. Now, is there some sexy stuff that comes into? Yeah, the, the seam ball, the Jay Sternberger. He's got some good stuff on tape as well. I fully acknowledge that. I just would struggle betting on it. That's kind of my thought uh, on 12 and this quarterback situation. But And I, I didn't mean to bring it up, but Schneidman's tweet just made it too much for me. And kudos, follow him at Matt Schneidman over at The Athletic. And if you're not subscribed, it's great every week. Um, big fan of his. He's been on our shows here on Game on Wisconsin. Uh, he's a great, great guy from, from all accounts as well. So there's the thoughts there. Let's go into this Arizona game. And as I record here, Devontae Adams has been announced as he's been placed on the COVID list. Joe Barry is going to be missing the game on Thursday night as well. The Barry thing, I, I just, I, I don't know what the impact on that is. You know, they said it'll be kind of a hodgepodge of who's calling plays and stuff like that. They do have Jerry Gray, who has called plays before as a defensive coordinator. So they have some options to do that. Ultimately, you guys know me at this point. Players play and coaches coach. So not having Barry to me just isn't as big of a deal as missing if they were missing knock on wood, Gary or Kenny Clark or somebody like that. So I'm not too worried about that part of things. And I thought this was a game the defense might struggle a little bit in anyways, just because Arizona's offense is as good as it is. And it doesn't matter who their defensive coordinator is for Green Bay in that case. Devontae is interesting because everybody over the last, what, three years has talked about how, well, if Devontae's out, they don't have any weapons. Well, you guys know the numbers by now. They've made their rounds. Under Matt LaFleur, since Adams has been, he's missed six games. Green Bay's won all of them. They average over 30 points a game. Now, they played a bunch of shitty teams in that nature, in that stretch. But those numbers are what they are. And Peter Bukowski, friend of the program, pointed out he finds a matchup, LaFleur does, and just exploits it. Last year against New Orleans, Lazard has a big game. Aaron Jones has a couple of big games in there. Robert Tunyon has a big game in there. They find ways to score points. If they can get MVS back, check out the MVS show on every Tuesday on our Game on Wisconsin YouTube channel, sponsored by Artec Ventures, which, of course, you guys have heard everything about them by this point, but I would be remiss if I didn't do it myself, where the goal at Artec Ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies since 2020, Artec Ventures has helped great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact in industries, communities, and beyond. If they could get MVS back on Thursday against the Cardinals, that'll help the offense. And that was going to help even if Devontae played. They miss him. They need his speed. They just don't have anybody. How are they going to move the ball on offense? Well, one, I think they have to pound the rock, give the ball to Aaron Jones and, and A.J. Dillon and, and even Kylan Hill if they have to go that route. And I think you're going to see uh, a hodgepodge of like just kind of a mixing bag with the receivers. Probably not Robert Tunyon, Isaiah Simmons, Buda Baker. They've got the personnel to kind of wrap him up. But 
Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, MVS, if he's available, EQ, who surprising to me is in like their top four receiving group. He's playing quite a few snaps. And if memory serves, he was playing more snaps than Amari Rogers, which I mean, you can make out of that what you want to, but I think that EQ, it's just kind of funny to me that they cut him and he was clearly the team's what seventh receiver on the depth chart. If you base it that way, but they signed him to the active roster and he plays uh, 12 snaps yesterday to Amari Rogers is four. So he's playing a little bit more. They'll find something to do with him. They'll do all those things, but all is not lost without Devonte Adams. If this were a playoff game, it would certainly be something to be worried about because that is where your best players need to shine the brightest, which is a big reason why the Packers did not win last year's NFC championship game is that didn't happen. Their best players didn't play great this year. It's a regular season game. It's against the Cardinals. The Cardinals have never played in a big game with this group, uh, a game of this magnitude, I should say, where if Green Bay wins, you know, now they have the tiebreaker over the Cardinals head to head. They have a chance to have the tiebreaker over the Rams head to head later in the season. Sets them up really nicely. If they can win this game, how are they going to do that without Devontae Adams? This is why you have Aaron Rodgers too, right? You're supposed to elevate the play of those guys around you. And he's done that. And I think he can do it again on Thursday night, which leads to the final segment of this show, which is the prediction for Thursday night football. It'll be 720, a Joe Buck, Troy Aikman special. And for those of you that want to bitch about Joe Buck, he's the best in the business. Get a life. Thank you. Anyways, Packers Cardinals, Kyler Murray, MVP candidate, JJ Watts, of course, plays. For the Cardinals, they will get Chandler Jones back. They have DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk. They have some players on that side of the ball, and I'm not even mentioning all of them because there's so many. They'll have Cliff Kingsbury back. That'll certainly be uh, a big deal as well. I think that I've kind of waffled back and forth on this, but you know, I know that every time the Packers play somebody good, their fans getting at, oh, we can't beat them. Why not? Since when is Arizona? The only boogeyman that I'm afraid of is Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But they don't have to worry about that for at least three more months. Arizona, very good. It's a home game. Packers traditionally haven't played well in that stadium, as Jason Perrone will tell you. Uh, they had one of the worst losses of Mike McCarthy's coaching tenure. They lost like 38-8 to eight against... Arizona in that 2015 regular season. You got the Jeff Janis Hail Mary game later that year. You guys understand how all that went. 2009 playoff game. I get it. None of that shit matters when they take the field on Thursday night. The only people who played in those games that I just mentioned are Aaron Rodgers and Mason Crosby. Devontae Adams didn't even play in those 20, the 2015 playoff game. He was hurt. And he was a completely different player at that point. And he's not going to play Thursday night, I guess. So, I mean, that's even a moot point. Randall Cobb got hurt in that game. Doesn't matter. Uh, what does matter is that I think Green Bay has the chance to dominate the time of possession and kind of shorten this game and exploit matchups like Bukowski pointed out earlier that they do. I look for a big game from Aaron Jones. I think A.J. Dillon has a bounce back game from, frankly, a really rough performance. I know it was limited, but a really bad performance on Sunday against Washington. I think the Packers run the ball. I think they score enough points that way, and I think they can do just enough in the passing game, and this feels like a game that comes down to who gets a turnover. Well, who do you trust to turn the ball over first, Aaron Rodgers or Kyler Murray? Games like that, I'm always going to feel pretty good about having Aaron Rodgers. I like Green Bay. I, I think Green Bay is going to win. I, I take them 30-27, 
and going into seven and one before 10 days off before taking on Pat Mahomes and the Kansas city chiefs, which could be a, another fun one. If the chiefs can figure out what the hell it is that they're doing. Um, that's a rough one right now, but that's going to do it uh, for today's show. I want to thank our sponsors. Like I mentioned, our tech venture, Lakefront brewery, discover green Bay. And we have some more things on the horizon as well that are working. Check out the show uh, at game on WI on Twitter, game on Wisconsin, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, follow that YouTube channel, hit the subscribe channel, everything like that. Be sure to check out our shows for the week. If you're listening to this show here on Wednesday morning, that means tonight we have Lombardi's bar and open book and a back-to-back. Those three will not be together, which is unfortunate after they had such a good showing last week with those three, but Lombardi's bar should always be fun. Like it always is an open book will be fun as well. On Mondays, you check out the freezer podcast with Sanjay, Fred and Matt Jensen, who will be joining me next week to preview the Kansas city chiefs, but more importantly to talk about the return of the show on Showtime Dexter. So if you are a Dexter fan, you will want to listen to next week's show to listen to us talk about our thoughts on the show coming back, everything from the price, just all that stuff. It should be a fun show. It should be a little bit different than what we've had previously as well. So I look forward to being able to do that with Matt. And then Tuesdays, of course, is the MVS show. Check out MVS uh, with us. And hopefully he's back on the field this week. So make things a little more fun for him to talk about being on the field instead of having to be off of it. But until then, next time, uh, and of course, all of our podcasts, like I mentioned, you know, there's myself on Wednesdays. We've got on brand and off topic on Tuesdays, Jason Perone Mondays and Thursdays and the final dump with DZ and Matt Fralick on Fridays. And of course on Saturdays or the day before a game, typically four downs with Aaron Alice and Monty Moore. Listen to those guys every single week as well. I want to thank you guys for all that you've done for us throughout this year. We're looking forward to some potentially exciting stuff here in the next couple of weeks. So I'm going to work on that. You guys work on getting ready for the Arizona Cardinals tomorrow night. Appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you next time.